Hello, and welcome to Talking Opinions. I am Anthony Livingston Hall. President Biden commanded primetime TV on Monday to announce that the hit he ordered on Al-Qaeda leader Ayman al-Zawahiri had been a stunning success. But Biden seemed to be taking pains to channel the way his former boss, Barack Obama, commanded primetime TV in 2011 to announce that the hit he ordered on Zawahiri's former boss, Osama bin Laden, had been a stunning success. Of course, the setting alone was reminiscent enough, but the words and phrases Biden used to hail the killing of bin Laden's second banana made him seem like a second banana, just aping the way Obama hailed the killing of bin Laden himself. The sense of deja vu was palpable in more ways than one. No doubt, the haunting legacy of 9-11 remains such that even 21 years later, this hit still warranted a presidential address. Ironically, nothing demonstrated how haunted this legacy remains, quite like the tragic and humiliating way Biden finally withdrew U.S. forces from Afghanistan a year ago this month evoking memories as it did of America's retreat from Vietnam. For more on this fateful cemetery, I refer you to my podcast episode, U.S. Leaving Afghanistan, a tragic and humiliating mess, on August 28, 2021. Even so, nothing vindicates America's pledge to hold those accountable for 9-11, quite like this over-the-horizon operation to take out Zawahiri. Because, after months of intelligence work and planning, CIA operators positioned a drone armed with Hellfire missiles over central Kabul, waited for him to come onto the balcony for his morning air based on the pattern of life they had now firmly established and then fired away. But, thanks to their much-vaunted American values, their strike was so carefully calibrated and targeted that they killed Zawahiri without harming any other member of his family inside that home let alone in the neighborhood. Now contrast that with the daily reports coming out of Ukraine, where the Russians are routinely having to explain why they ended up destroying hospitals, supermarkets, churches, and even schools, invariably killing scores of innocent women and children if they were aiming at Ukrainian military targets. Except, let me hasten to clarify that as supportive as I am 
of Western efforts to help Ukraine defend itself against Russia's genocidal invasion. I am not among those who think Zelensky is a cross between Napoleon and Winston Churchill, who can do no wrong. I need only refer you in this regard to my July 17 Cora post. Now Zelensky fires a security chief and top prosecutor? Why is he accusing so many seemingly patriotic Ukrainians of treason? Because in it I suggest that the unrelenting stress of war is manifesting in Putinesque paranoia that is causing Zelensky to make the kind of rash decisions you'd only expect of a war criminal like Vladimir Putin. This is why I was not at all surprised when Amnesty International reported this week that Zelensky has his Ukrainian forces using hospitals, schools, and other residential areas as military bases. Still, if the Russians had any regard for human life, just as the Americans did with that home in Kabul, the Russians would carefully calibrate and target the precision-guided missiles they're always bragging about to hit only those areas of the residential buildings Ukrainian forces are reportedly using. Uh, by the way, the home at issue reportedly belongs to the Taliban. This, despite the fact that, in the 2020 Doha Surrender Agreement, former President Trump negotiated, this Taliban 2.0 promised it would sever all ties with Al-Qaeda and no longer provide them safe haven. In exchange, America promised not just to withdraw from Afghanistan, but to close, arguably, the most strategic military base it has in the Middle East, namely the Bagram Air Base. As indicated above, Biden kept America's promise, only for America to get played yet again. That said, I'm afraid Biden will not get even half the political gain for getting Zawahiri that Obama got for getting Bin Laden. This was already apparent when news outlets followed his announcement with coverage of pundits engaging in idle speculation about whether or not Speaker Nancy Pelosi would defy China by visiting Taiwan. Incidentally, I was already on record saying not only that she would, but must. And she did. By contrast, news outlets followed Obama's announcement with coverage of people celebrating it in the streets, not only all across America, but all around the world. Uh, to be fair, though, Pelosi visiting Taiwan was hardly the reason Biden's belated boast rang so hollow. It had far more to do with prevailing war fatigue and disinterest among Americans with respect to Afghanistan. In fact, no less an American than former President Trump 
personified this fatigue and disinterest. A report by NBC on February 16, 2020 showed just how, in dramatic fashion. Zawahiri was public enemy number one on the FBI's most wanted list, complete with a bounty of $25 million on his head. But that report recounted the consternation and frustration CI agents felt when they had Zawahiri in their sights back then in 2020. Because, instead of giving the order to strike, as any normal president would, Trump reportedly complained that he didn't know who the hell Zawahiri was and told them not to bother him unless they had the son of Osama bin Laden in their sights. <laughs> Meanwhile, it had already made terrorism so much a part of our daily lives. It's arguable that Al-Qaeda had already won the so-called War on Terror even before Obama got Osama. It might be hard to remember now, but commercial air travel before 9-11 did not require being processed, like inmates entering prison for the first time. And don't get me started on all the blood and treasure wasted trying to build Afghanistan in America's image, namely the 2,455 troops killed the 20,722 wounded, and the $2.3 trillion spent. And that does not include even more in blood and treasure wasted on the misadventure into Iraq, which made the initial march of folly into Afghanistan look like a dry run. But all that just to end up 20 years later, right back with the Taliban, not just in charge, but harboring Al-Qaeda terrorists to boot. Oh, in the meantime, from the domestic terrorists who stormed the US Capitol, to those who have a thing for shooting up schools, white supremacists have been showing time and again, that America always had far more to fear from them than from Muslim jihadists. Given the above, it will probably come as no surprise that I got a lot of flack for sounding a discordant note of ho-hum among friends and colleagues who were cheering this hit on Zawahiri. I mentioned the just cause CI agents had for their consternation and frustration in this respect. Well, I have just cause for mine too. Because here is how I am on record bemoaning the utter fecklessness of these hits over 15 years ago in the blog post Please spare us the Al-Qaeda obituaries on December 4, 2005, and I quote,
I doubt Americans feel any safer today, knowing that the name Abu Hamza Rabia, or Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, has been eliminated from the FBI's most wanted list of Al-Qaeda terrorists. After all, the visionary Egyptian president Hosni Mubarak warned that these whack-a-mole hits were only providing pyrrhic comfort to fools. Except Westerners ridiculed him as a chastened Cassandra when he claimed that the war in Iraq would produce 100 bin Ladens, after claiming that the war in Afghanistan would produce 1,000. But the joke is clearly on anyone who thinks these high-profile hits on Al-Qaeda terrorists are indications of success in America's war on terror. Moreover, Mubarak is being proven more prophetic than even he realized. After all, 1,000 bin Ladens today would amount to nothing more than a gaggle of cloistered or caved clerics, notorious for their incendiary rhetoric, but incapable of organizing a terrorist attack, and too cowardly to die for their own religious cause. Whereas this war on terror, with its spasmodic hits on Al-Qaeda terrorists, has in fact converted multitudes of peaceful Muslims into fanatical jihadists who welcome the opportunity to sacrifice their lives in Bin Laden's holy war. What's more, they have demonstrated that they are just as committed to and capable of killing Americans in Iraq and Afghanistan, as President Bush is committed to and capable of routing them out one by one, <laughs> as he is so fond of saying. But it does not take a genius in military war strategy to figure out who is going to win this asymmetrical war especially on their turf. Indeed, it is precisely this realization that American troops are caught in a death dance with suicidal fanatics that is causing not just war fatigue with, but disinterest in, this war on terror. And if Pentagon officials think trumpeting the assassination of one Al-Qaeda leader after another will reverse this trend. They are hopelessly misguided. After all, the most notable thing about this war is the speed and ease with which Al-Qaeda continually replaces its assassinated leaders." End quote. Again, folks, that was 17 years ago. <laughs> As the saying goes, the more things change, the more they remain the same. And so alas, here's to Zawahiri's replacement and to the inevitable hit on him too. And so on, and so on. Thank you.
That's it. Subscribe for free wherever you listen to your podcasts. And for thought-provoking commentaries, often laced with humor, I invite you to visit my blog at www.ipjn.com. Thank you for listening, and until the next Talking Opinions, goodbye.